0: Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Dyrdek, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Today, I'm making friends with Dia Sims. Dia is the CEO of Lobos 1707 Tequila and Mezcal, a new independent spirits brand that launched back in 2020 with backing by some major celebrity names like LeBron James. Before that, Dia spent almost 15 years working alongside Sean Diddy Combs at Combs Enterprises, working her way from executive assistant all the way to becoming president of all of Combs Enterprises, where she oversaw multi-billion dollar brands under the Combs empire. Most notably, she led Ciroc premium vodka from being nothing, really, from launch all the way through to having a $2 billion retail value. She's been called one of the most powerful executives in the industry by Billboard, named to Ebony Power 100 list, and a woman to watch by Ad Age. But today, I'm glad to call her my friend. Here is my conversation with the one and only Dia Sims. Dia, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. So glad to be here. I,
0: man i appreciate you being willing to sit down i know you're in vegas for a short trip how's the trip been
1: it's been great out yeah. here pushing slinging tequila and whisking a variety Lying of a, incredible delicious treats yeah I, I'm, a, I'm a fan I'm good a fan. good yeah. I, love <laughs> yeah. I love to hear that yeah why don't, why don't we have a bottle of tequila here that was a that's a really decision. Good, I literally told him Real miss. <laughs> 10 minutes
0: before we sat down, I was like. I
1: swung by Mr. Oh, Lee's. I could have been a better person. Yeah, my bad. Yeah,
0: <laughs> well, um, I'll, I'll enjoy some later on my own. Yes, you thank know. you. Yeah, we'll, we'll enjoy, enjoy the some in spirit. Do a virtual mean? toast. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, well, listen to you. I was super excited to, to uh, chat with you. I think the first time I saw your stuff was when um, you were doing a panel at an event that I was at um, in L.A., Four years ago, five years ago. No, it was Mastermind, Um, I think. Yeah, Mastermind. Yep. And uh, Amelia was just like, man, this is, she's got an awesome story. So I went, followed your stuff. And then uh, recently reached out and was just like, we we need to, we need to finally have this conversation. So So overdue. um, I want to go back in time because. I love
1: stop tips. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Primarily, yeah, mainly
0: to put some money in Bitcoin. There we go. There. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I want to build some context for those listening because uh, you you're now the CEO of Lobos Tequila, which is a massive tequila brand backed by people like LeBron James. If anybody knows who that is, um. Uh, so, but I, but I, the path that you took. This is why I love doing this show. Because I like to showcase um, different different paths, more unconventional paths, like when people do something that's wildly different and mm. it ends up going very well for them. Um, and that's that's what we like to talk about on the show. So let's go back in time. Tell me about um, eight-year-old Dia Sims. Eight-year-old? Set oh the my. scene.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so eight years old, I think. My father was in the army, so I moved around a little bit. Was okay. born in California, and then we lived in. I'm I'm old enough that I lived in West Germany, which you may not know about. Oh wow! Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and then we came. I've back. have you heard it. about yeah. it. You heard about it. Read street? a yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and then we came back to New York, and so I had to kind of get used to. Like I remember my my parents being like, "You cannot wave and say hello to everyone," because I was like. Used to living on an army base and mm. being very friendly, and they were like, yeah. "We don't want to squash your sunniness, but yeah. like, this but also this is New York, but this is New York, it's not, not full of West Germany." So, um, ra- random fact: when I came here, um, gummy bears were not really big in the United States yet, so mm. I was used to having a delicious treat in Germany. So I remember it was like a special thing to go to a store and get them. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, long story short, I do think I'm biased. I grew up, you know, mostly in New York, and okay. just growing up in New York, it's a certain hustle that's required just to Mm. get you know something at the bodega just to back up off the exit when there's traffic Mm. i do think it gives you a mentality of like everything's possible and we and a real figure it out type of approach sure um and then coming out of out of new york i went to school i studied psychology actually because at the time i thought i was considering going either to med school or law school or just taking a bunch of new york government tests which is what you used to do back in the day and say Mm. maybe i don't know i'll work for some city job um and uh, ended up being recruited to work at the Department of Defense. Okay, there had been like this historical um, alleged scandal that uh, there was a big expose. I think in the L.A. Times that where there was the D.O.D. Department of Defense was spending like five hundred dollars on hammers and two thousand dollars on toilets, and it was like, "Yo, we're versus taxpayer money. What do we need to do to change it?" Yeah. So D.O.D. went out and was like, "We're going to recruit like bright minds and train them mm-hmm. from scratch." to just objectively defend the taxpayers. So twenty one, working at the Department of Defense, was given like a hundred million dollar contract.
0: Wait, wait, so you're working within the department yes. to kind of battle the to department? negotiate.
1: No, no, no. To to have a new approach to negotiating. What happened was you'd had people who had been in this field, right, of doing this defense negotiations with contractors like Boeing and so forth for mm-hmm. many years, they honestly kind of knew each other so well for 30 years. Probably just weren't the toughest.
0: <laughs> sure, <laughs> so sure. So
1: we're like, let's bring in just totally fresh people yeah. that we train from scratch. I went to what was called the Defense Acquisition University, okay, and was actually trained in negotiations. Um, so it was, it was for a first job.
0: Gotcha. Freaking incredible. So, so you're trained to negotiate defense contracts. Yes, for
1: 49 for, States like, government
0: contractors when, when you're like sourcing products. Whatever. So
1: like I worked on trainer trainer jets okay. or like cool night vision goggles gotcha. for naval air, stuff like that. And I would procure them for the United Got States it. government.
0: And so basically the contracts before this point were just- Super bloated.
1: Let, yeah, it was yeah. like it was like an attempt to like bring things get order in yeah, and be yeah. more efficient and protect taxpayer dollars. Yeah, just
0: like this is like, yeah. egregious. So yes, we're not two thousand yeah. dollars <laughs> for toilets anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, It was a, a response to that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you were yeah. able to take part of this program? They, oh my gosh, they were amazing! Were they looking for? Yeah. Like, so I went to co- I
1: went to college in the D. M. V. area, the D. C. Maryland Virginia area. So I suspect they were just recruiting locally. Okay. Um, I don't think my major was such a. I probably it was more just um they were just looking for a level of like discipline and Mm. who can we really train um quickly and at the time i was leaning more towards law school so i was like yeah i want to learn about negotiating contracts great i'll I'll take this and and use it when i go to law school um it was honestly like the most incredible training i was literally like 50 years younger than almost everybody else i was (laughs) negotiating with so like i had to know my shit i had to like um You know, the language of dealing with Department of Defense is riddled with acronyms and shorthand. So you just had to spend my weekend just studying how to even have a negotiation because a gazillion just to know how to sit at the table. table, You know, memorizing everything in the federal acquisition regulations, which is just as titillating as it sounds. (laughs) 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 <laughs> um because you know we was like why are you in the room like how are you to go you're 21 like you yeah, know what i mean so it right. was 21 like very few women and like no minorities say, for you a, got a lot of country mile
0: talking to you like you're the secretary totally whatever,
1: totally like, like like you know sweetheart please like why are you here yeah um but it was um i wouldn't change one thing i was gonna say would you find one you, thing would,
0: would you find them uh I, in in my in my experience i feel like i've always appreciated being underestimated because oh. like it's like a win-win-win situation for me. Like, there's no way I can lose here. Because, like, if no. I if I don't absolutely crush it, all I did was match people's expectations of what they had of me. Absolutely. And if I do anything above that, then the people are like, wow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: The thing, only thing I don't like about being underestimated is just waste both of our time. Because mm. I mean, I'm going to provide value in any room I'm in. So, mm. like, get... Come, come, join me where we are. Let's yeah, get yeah. to the baseline as fast as we are, because we're right, just right. wasting time and money until you get to where I'm already at. <laughs> yeah, right. that's a fair point. <laughs> right, that's a fair point. Um, what, yeah. what, are,
0: what are some ways that you were that you did that? Do you, do you recall like, yeah. any sort of like practical yeah. kind of?
1: Honestly, it's- you know, it was it's, it's corny, but it was really just extra preparation. It mm. was just a lot of hard ass work. Yeah. It was it was a lot of relationship management. I think um, you know maybe my my psych degree came in handy where. I was always thoughtful and still today think about like all the tools you have in your personal arsenal mm-hmm. and in negotiation. Negotiation doesn't have to be like I'm meeting you at dawn to having to go. You negotiate all day long. I negotiate with my 10-year-old, my husband about movies in the way you interact in relationships. And when do people need kindness? When do people need grace? Yeah. When do people need a tough point of view? When do people need to be frightened? Yeah. And understanding what tools need to be sharpened, when you use them, how you use them, how you pulse them. That was um, something I think I was able to sharpen Mm -hmm. um, under being underpinned by what I learned in uh, in Defense Acquisition University on negotiations. Well,
0: and there's not a lot of room in in areas like that. There's not a lot of room for like fucking up. Right. Like like the margin of error is very, you know, very slim. Yeah, for sure. Because you're. Negotiating hundred million dollar defense contract.
1: By the way, anytime you know, you're an underserved, it doesn't matter if you're you know a left handed person in a right handed community or you're young black woman when nobody else is young black. There's not a lot of room for error if you're a person that's unusual in your environment. Also,
0: mm. yeah, just yeah, in yeah. general, yeah, you you just can't you're not, you're not you are not you are not allowed can't. to make the same no, mistakes. Definitely yeah. not. Yeah, there's going to be less um, leniency. Precisely. Yeah. And probably people actually looking for. Oh, 100%. Pools.
1: Pools. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So they can have an excuse. Yeah. Like like, I knew, I knew it was going to happen kind of thing. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. you got to be so, you have to be so out in front of that. Right. um, That, you know, I, I just leaned into ensuring I was operating at the highest levels of excellence.
0: When you sit down at the table with somebody like that, in yeah. like kind of an kind of an intimidating uh, setting for sure. any any young person to be in with yeah. that doesn't have the experience, when they're like, it's always intimidating for somebody that's in their twenties to sit down with somebody who's in their fifties who's been yeah. doing this for thirty years or whatever. Um, but then you add in the dynamic of being a young black woman in that scenario. Yeah. W- was there any like psychological tricks or hacks or anything that you did like within the first three minutes of sitting down to get that person to be like, oh? I'm Sorry, I didn't realize that that you were this sophisticated or that we were actually going to move into this part of the conversation or whatever.
1: Yeah, I think a lot is preparation. Okay. Um so I made it clear. I also don't I'm I'm like probably obsessed about time. So I don't my thing is I'm not going to wait 15 minutes to convince you why I'm here in the first 2 or 3 mm-hmm. minutes. I want to make sure I convey my knowledge base, the preparation, my understanding, but also my respect. I'm very respectful of like humanity in general. Yeah. So I'm not coming off as if like, I know I have a lot to learn, right? Mm-hmm. What I do know, I want to share with you truth. I'm respectful enough of your time to take the time to appropriately prepare. Yeah. I think that can soften a lot of hard edges out the gate. And it's been, it's. You know, it still works.
0: Yeah, to me, preparation is the um, the antidote to inexperience. Yeah, you know, it's just if you don't have a ton of experience, you better make up for it. with over preparation.
1: Find... My mother literally, as a child, used to say, "Like, what does not knowing have to do with finding out?" So, like, there was no. Mm. They asked me a question. They'd be like, "We spent all this money on Encyclopaedia Britannica. If you guys don't know what that is, it's like Google and books." Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> <laughs> um, and they'd be like, "No, we can find the answer out. Call on such and such. Ask your neighbor. Ask somebody." So I was always raised to like, no answers and information exist. You just have to be, you know, intense about the pursuit of obtaining it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So okay, so how long were you with the department? Of
1: just a few years, and then right. I got bored, honestly. Um, okay. so I started promoting parties. Just got so my friends and we would throw these big so parties. law school was out the window though. Law school were, at this point was out like, the window. I was like, yeah. I'm not doing it. I talked to a bunch of lawyers who actually were like, don't. I literally called like 20 lawyers. People connected me, and they were all like, don't, don't go. Like, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Worst, worst years of my life. <laughs> not an endorsing thing. Right? Yeah. Like, all right.
0: <laughs> to me, it sounds like it seems like being a lawyer is like you really got to geek out about the law.
1: You really got it. Oh, oh by the way, it's still useful it's the kind of thing that's useful to be even if you sure. don't practice sure but it was such an unresounding so like <laughs> so expensive so expensive um so yeah so i ended up um i was living in like a remote town the southernmost tip of maryland and that was mm-hmm. also tough like as a new york girl this is the town was in an uproar like around getting stoplights and okay waiting for i was like well, that was wow. where you were working? that's where i was working okay. yeah so i moved closer to uh to a city closer to DC. Um, got into sales, radio sales, actually, which was my first entree. Radio sales, what do you Radio what? sales. So basically I was selling like commercials, okay. concert sponsorships, you know, just add so, time. So add sales for radio yeah, stations. Yeah, you hear like, yeah. them like, oh, the weather was brought to you by such and such. Yeah. Right, so I would be the person that was selling that. Um,
0: did it feel like, uh, did it feel like um, like moving down a weight class, going from negotiating Department of Defense contracts to like, convincing an advertiser to spend money on the radio
1: it didn't but it just felt really hard it didn't feel because because it is um you know i yeah i often say like at least that time selling radio was like selling crack because you're like you know what I'm saying? it was like but but you had none of the addiction <laughs> like, <laughs> so you're like on these streets yeah, like yeah. like you know what i mean like so it's hard and you were you were i was only paid it was like kind of kill what you eat i was paid a certain amount but i had to sell enough to cover it sure um
0: yeah you get a draw
1: you get a draw exactly yeah. people right so uh so that was hard but it was it taught me that like it was really the first thing that proved to me that i could run my own business mm. because i was yeah. able to i got my customers i made. i was able to break new customers and, you eat and start you kill. to really care eat what you kill and that yeah, yeah when you get hungry enough you'd be surprised how capable you become that's right right that's so right. um so that was super important. And it was another great experience. I got another chance at incredible training. Mm. Uh, I was working clear channels, so I got to be trained in oh, okay. out-of-home advertisement, how does radio work, how do you buy television advertisement, wow. how brands are built. And I'm the type that like, you know, back when I, if, when I was an employee, everything that came up, me might want to oh, I'm taking that class, sign me up, just yeah, to yeah. learn, learn, learn as much as I could.
0: Were you did you, Was that innate in you, the the, the desire to learn?
1: I um you know again just it always comes back to your family i think right like i definitely grew up in my both my parents read a lot my mm-hmm. dad taught me chess my mother would play scrabble with me i definitely grew up in a like uh, uh a family that rewarded curiosity
0: mm-hmm. that's a good way to put it yeah i i ask those questions now from a selfish standpoint because you saw my kids when we i thing, did you know, we got adorable a yes. four-year-old and a three-year-old and like now i'm, I'm constantly thinking about those things like how oh. do i get them to just like get these like core things. Cause like they don't have to know everything by the time they leave my house. But like, if you know these couple of things, you'll be able to figure out everything else, Absolutely. you know? And that's kind of, that's definitely one of those things. Like my my son actually the other day said something about, um, um, he he's going to kindergarten. So we've been kind of just like talking to him about kindergarten <laughs> and everything. And he said something like, um, yeah, but in kindergarten, we don't get to play as much or something. Or like, we have to learn more and like learning Or like he said something about it being boring or like not as fun as playing or whatever. And I was like, well, buddy, that just depends on the type of learning that you do. And like learning can actually be really fun. And I was like talking to him about this book that I'm reading right now. I was just like, that's definitely one of those things that I feel like the school system is set up completely to like underserve the people that go to it because they do teach you that learning sucks it's like you go to recess to play and then you sit in a classroom and get taught this one learning style that's not effective for every kid in the classroom yeah
1: it's super outdated and it's also the worst part is that there's this idea that learning sits in some four walls. Yeah, exactly. And it's something exactly. and it's actually not. It's woven into the fabric. You eat a delicious taco, you just learn something for the first time. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's learning's happening learning all day with. long. <laughs> like you get an Uber and you're right. I love yeah. that learning. You can, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I just I just was trying to do the best call I've ever had. Incredible. Like but, but you're but no, right. but your sensory learning, your experience learning, you're learning right. from life, like you learning all day long. And this idea you go to a place and sit down in this rigorous style is not a fair, I think it's actually like bad branding. It's detrimental because it, because
0: you know, you ask anybody who's been out of high school or college for like a decade plus to tell them, tell you like the last book they read or the last thing, you know, it's just like, I I don't know. You know what I mean? Like nobody told me to read. It's like it, 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 it gives you this idea that learning is done when you're done with school. Right, like, no, That's exactly. not how it works. But like,
1: I watched the movie Blackberry on the way here. Mm-hmm. I, like, I was a probably Blackberry's number one fan when, <laughs> when it used to be out and I was like, I actually learned a lot watching it. Like, it doesn't, yeah. again, it doesn't, it? just this idea that it's isolated. Yeah. Um, it has a born on date is preposterous.
0: Yeah, but that's awesome your, your parents like instilled that in you because oh, yeah. obviously took, you know, and, and yeah. like for you to continue, like, people ask me uh, uh, sometimes about, you know, what my advice to 18 year olds is. And, and, you know, if you're a young person come coming out of high school or college, what would I say to go do or whatever? And I did six years of door to door, hundred percent commission sales, which is very similar to kind of what you're talking about. But you had even more like of a rigorous schedule out of that by be able to like learn negotiating nine figure contracts when you're that young (laughs) and then to be able to go into radio and do sales and get that that hunger to to like go again, eat what you kill. Like you're, you're yeah. not going to get paid unless you go do something like to be able to do that. And then like you, those environments force you to learn so much because you're not going to make it if you don't, like you don't have any other option. It's quit or learn. There's not, there's not anything else you can do about it. Um, but then also for you to be sales in a marketing environment, to learn about marketing. So now like by the time you're out of your 20s, you got negotiating massive contracts, not negotiating little thing, negotiating massive contracts. You got sales experience and you understand how marketing and advertising works with these massive brands at a macro level working through with uh, Clear Channel and getting that type of training. Like, man, what an incredible resume stack and skill stack to to come out of your 20s with.
1: It, it was, and the thing is, you don't. You know, this is the thing too. You don't. You don't necessarily know at the time what's going to be useful, mm. right? And I'm when I was negotiating at the Department of Defense, I didn't know I could take those same skills and fast forward to, you know, negotiating for Sean Diddy Combs or DJ Khaled, like in, in in celebrity, like those same skills. Or when you're when I was in radio, I didn't know how helpful it would be later on working with artists and understanding how it works or how to build a brand from behind. It. Yeah. Like, but a lot of times, um. You know we take for granted the moment we're in instead of real like we're building this tapestry right to mm. to to be a launch pad for the future of our lives
0: yeah yeah and to the the that 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 many powerful like skills like the the just the the pure um yeah, stack that you built during that time is allowed allowed you to be able to go do whatever you wanted to do at that point, and without even you even probably realizing. No, that, that, was, what, that was what was happening. You know yeah. what I mean? because yeah. you don't realize it until you start speaking the language of those things, like you speak the language of negotiation or sales or marketing. You and and then people who like aren't as good or maybe they're newer will be like, "Wait, what did you just say?" And it's almost like you're totally. speaking a foreign language to them, and you're like, "I don't even." I didn't even realize that I was doing that. Not at all. You know what I mean? But it's just so second nature now. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all, it's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find you can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters fast and listeners of this show will get a seventy five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash travis. Just go to indeed.com slash travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need a hire, you need Indeed.
1: It's the weirdest thing. Like I, I have a ten year old and, and I'm negotiations really needs to be taught at kindergarten yeah right it's it's really a matter of how do you pers- how the art of persuasion is a problem this country has right now is we're so divided mm. because we don't know how to like articulate articulate uh in the right way to negotiate to persuade one another to respect other opinions yeah. like i remember learning debate and learning the difference between attacking somebody with logic attacking somebody in person like in mm. f- fifth grade i don't think that kind of thing is taught anymore And um, it's a a gap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. There we go. It's a proof point. Um, No, so that's a problem. Like, of course, people are angry or frustrated if they can't get their point out. They don't know how to, you know, reasonably express, persuade, negotiate with one another.
0: Yeah, right. It can be very frustrating, especially. Especially if you don't even realize that some of those things are being used on you either. Oh well, you know, because then it makes it
1: feels like voodoo. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, then that, that's when
0: that's when you get the like the insanely divided far camps totally. that are like shouting at each other from afar. Where it's like, have you ever sat down with somebody who believes anything different than you? Like, have you ever had a conversation? Right. Have You ever tried to learn anything about what they're talking about? Yeah. But like, they don't even realize that these tactics are being used. because bu- the people who run the country are smart people, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the people, like. You don't get to those positions sure. without being a level of competent
1: uh, and absolutely. having
0: some intelligence about you. You know what I mean? So That's, like no, for sure. so like they know what they're doing. They know they know the things that they're implementing to get people to be this way. Mm-hmm. It's just like if you can have at least some training in those areas, you would at least be able to recognize what's yeah. happening and parse through things. Think critically about things and come up with your own. Damn decisions.
1: Yes, yeah, <laughs> you know? just a critical thinking. It's like for a whole. We need a whole nother. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right, right.
0: Got a whole show dedicated yeah, to that.
1: Totally.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, of those jobs that you held, yes, in your in your early twenties, mid twenties, late twenties, what was what was your favorite part of doing those things?
1: Mm, I would say, um, you know, I think I I I really love when I was promoting events. I often okay. encourage people to. Like even when you're young you're trying to learn how to run a business. Event production is like a mini running your business, right? So I mm-hmm. had to learn, I had to learn to really understand the math of how many humans came in the door, how many people were come, how many people were paid did it did it go up from hour to hour how much were they getting per drink right how many comps did i need to have what was everybody's name i understand how to brand it how to be a hostess how to have relationships with the spirits how to make sure all my vendors were paid when they walked in, my DJs cocktail waitresses how to like you know i wasn't employing them directly but it taught management skills and interaction So, so This was, kind of, on the side this was you, kind of I had a company um with some girl with some of my friends okay and we started just um working with this like DC legend he's still around out through is known for Caring so deeply about okay. hospitality, so he throws like these pristine events, okay. produces incredible like environments, and I learned a lot under his name is Mark Barnes under him in terms of just a discipline in the way you you what hospitality really means. Hmm. And again, like hospitality, we think about it as some like the difference segregated between a party space. and an experience, precisely. And it was, um, and it was this idea of like hospitality is the way you live your life. So if today you come to my house, I want to treat you in that same way of like, oh, I remember they're mm-hmm. allergic to this, they love this. I want to introduce them to this new cocktail. I want to serve the most beautiful, coolest place. Like just the way you live, you know, for yourself too. But yeah. that learning I got yeah. from there was, I think, better than any formal training in some ways.
0: Man, another mixture, another thing to throw in the crockpot of skills. There, uh, honestly, it's like it's. Uh,
1: uh, Delicious. Soft. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like to to me anyway, and I'm I'm no economist or anything, but you know, I have theories. I can think yeah, sometimes. You, you know what I mean? Philosopher. At least. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like soft skills are going to be the thing that runs the world in the next decade, two decades, because the more automation comes out, the more AI takes more jobs, the more these types of things are taking away, like technical skills and things like that. It's just going to be more and more invaluable to be able totally. to. To to network, to know how to talk to people, to be engaging, to build real, genuine relationships with people, to have, know how to communicate, to persuade, to uh, influence—like for me, it's, it's
1: actually everything. I've been fort- like I've been in all these jobs where they like do your personality tests and all that kind of stuff in different yeah. different companies. And like I'm pretty smart; like I'm an A student, smart, but I'm mm-hmm. not like physicist smart or But sure. what I always come off the charts on extraordinary high levels of empathy, mm-hmm. extraordinary high emotional intelligence, and yeah. in many ways, that's been the most useful tool versus knowing a lot about any particular you sure. know genre or subject
0: yeah yeah especially especially in terms of your career you know type, like totally. your life it, it will always lead to greater impact a lot of times bigger salaries. Yeah. You know, the salespeople are always the best paid. You know what I mean? Like it's just, absolutely. that's just how marketers are always the best paid. If you know how to communicate, you know how to persuade. Leaders are always the best paid, you know, C-suite, C-suite for a reason. They're not just C- the C-suite because they have like technical skills exclusively. Right. It's because they know how to lead divisions of people. Oh, and absolutely. they know how to take a bunch of people with different views and backgrounds and contexts and cultures and put them together for one common mission and be able to like to do that successfully is not an easy it's task. It's
1: not anything. You're a general. You may not be the best sniper, right? Sure. You know what I mean? But you have to have a certain level of intelligence, in the way you Competence, communicate, to galvanize yep. right excitement to lead people forward.
0: Mm-hmm. The, the humility required to oh, do precisely. that effectively, you know, to build a culture of people that actually are wanting to see your vision come to pass. Yeah, you know, like th- th- those things are so they're 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 so crucial, and I think they're just going to continue to get more and more important. Totally the more right. the, the the hard skills are just going to be replaced by technology. Um, it's happening. Okay, so so uh events this was a business that you were running kind was, of
1: doing same time in dc yeah same, at around, the same time yeah. Yes. the uh, um i was doing radio sales and then i was also doing pharmaceutical okay. sales and during that time i was okay uh, yeah okay
0: so you were just tasting a lot of stuff trying yes, a bunch of different trying things
1: di- trying a bunch of different stuff
0: yep um what was your philosophy on like money and finances during that time like were you all like were you kind of miserly were you more like no
1: i was not miserly um what i did what i what i didn't know um like, I ne- in my 20s, I didn't know much about capital markets, right? So, we well, were making, like, pretty good money for that time, uh, for our age. Um, but, and, you know, we would save, and I, there were some smart decisions we made. But I wish I understood much more about investment. Mm. At that point, I didn't really start learning about that until my 30s.
0: Another massive gap in our education system. Totally. I, I, like, Matt, it frustrates me so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, like, if you're not an entrepreneur or a business person, you just don't learn about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the only reason I know about that stuff is because I actively pursued a career in that world after high school college time it's, just, it's maddeningly maddening maddeningly frustrating to look at the sheer lack of education oh. around even how your credit card works and how totally. you know interest payments work and how how compound interest can you know multiply your net worth like there's so many so many people who are just like
1: don't by the way don't know at all and it's getting worse not better
0: right i mean i read a stat the other day it was like close to 80 percent of americans live paycheck to paycheck that blew my mind it was like uh, and and yes there might be some like issues there in terms of like increased wages or whatever but a lot of times it's just a sheer complete misunderstanding of how to manage your finances relationship
1: with money yeah, yeah. even just though talk like you know it's a uh, the exchange of like services for money is no different than silver for fish or yep. you know yep. what I mean or and but people still have a very weird relationship with money that is some like thing you have to be worried and get ready to talk about instead of like no it's just it's natural it's like talk about like breathing I'm
0: glad you said relationship with money because that's usually how I frame it when we talk about it because it is it like it sounds kind of weird and conceptual but if you're doing it correctly, you have to have in a relationship with money like t- like money is an energy source you yeah. know what I mean, and if you, it's a freedom if, source. It will it will treat you the same way you treat it. You know what I mean. So Absolutely. like, <laughs> it, like if you you know if you just decide to never learn about it, if you neglect it and ignore it all the time, then it's probably going to ignore you. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably. Percent. gonna know, be hard to find. Your bank account is going to be <laughs> reflected <in laughs> of that. Yeah, yeah so. um, but yeah, that's another one of those things. Just like it's just it's I I just have no idea why we're not learning this. It makes you know, zero at zero. a younger age. I mean, both
1: ways. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those are
0: those are the times that like make me engage in, in conspiracy theories. Sometimes right. it's like. How huh. like you guys see the data, right? You, you're seeing the same data I'm seeing. Like there were, <laughs> the word that there's no financial literacy across the country. No, but not like there like nobody trying to do anything about that except for privatized companies like that are doing education and yeah. some of them in, in various ways. And then, you know, even wealth managers that are making a shit ton of money off of people's retirement accounts and then slashing their compound interest with their high management fees. Just like there's so much stuff that we just were never taught. You would have never any clue if you if you just like lived life and tried to oh, do what nobody no. else it's tells easily, you to do. It's
1: easy not to know. And it's, right. Um, right. you know, as long as we continue to overly embrace like ruthless individualism, then you, th- but it's actually silly because the more people who know, then it's better for the country. It's actually better for all of us. Yes. Right? To drive more wealth. Tide, it's not yeah. a, yeah, it's not an either or proposition. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that, that does not really exist in a meaningful way in people's hearts and minds to me in America. Mm-hmm. That like, no, mm-hmm. no, we can all get it. Like the world's right. abundant. Like it's not really. Have, it's not really entrenched.
0: More for you does not mean less for me. Precisely. Right, right. Um, okay, so uh, you said you're in your 30s when you start learning a little bit more about capital markets yes. and things yes. like that. So what, what's the uh, what's the transition to finally, because I, I read it, and correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. I don't know if how accurate the source was. Um, you started working uh, for Diddy's company as an assistant, executive yes. assistant? executive assistant, That's exactly okay. right. Yes. Was that two Did he? Or was that to somebody? uh, Directly to, yeah. So talk to me about how that whole relationship came about.
1: Yeah. So I got back into radio again in New York. And there was um, a new station that was launching called Power 105 against um, like uh, a legacy hip hop station called Hot 97. Hot 97 if in in hip hop was really one of the original stations that helped become hip hop, become a beacon to the world, right? So Puff was very loyal to that station. And when I was working at Power 105, his record label at the time refused to advertise out, out of loyalty to Hot ninety seven. Okay, I inherited all the music labels um, as clients at Power one hundred five, so I had the other had all the other labels, but I was trying to convince Bad Boy Records to advertise with us, and I finally got them to because um, our station was a little more female friendly, mm. um, and Bad Boy Records had signed a new act called New Edition. And they were more geared towards female. And I was like, gosh, you all just now you're just being ridiculous. You're going to not spend your money on right? You're right, going right. to be able to move, to move these units. Yeah. Like now you're just actually <laughs> punching your own self in the face. So I finally broke them. Um, and the station was delighted. And then I was able to get more and more business from them. Uh, and at one point, one of his executives called me and said, um, you know, Puff is looking to hire a new chief of staff. I feel like you send e- emails at 3 a.m. and so does he. <laughs> 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 like i feel like y'all yeah, looking along so uh, oh, was you coming for an interview i'm like yeah sure and i definitely have always been like yeah i'll take the interview because you just never know what opportunities i'm a sure. big like say yes right and yeah. figure it out um so go interviews wild shorts, like six minutes great questions but like really was sticked. it with his team or it was with, with him, was with him okay. directly i'd interview with his hr person then an interview was with him was that the him. first time you'd met him it was the first time i met him like that i grew up in new york so we would i was like had been to puff parties and been okay. around but okay. no i didn't had met him directly until that moment okay um and then they called me and said, um, he would like to offer you the job, but you've not managed large teams before. So right. instead of chief of staff, would you be willing to come on as executive assistant? It was literally like you could call me the janitor, but <laughs> this is what I don't care about titles. I was like, but this so is really what I need to make. It. Really well, I was, I was really wanted to learn. Yeah, yeah, and I was just like, look, at the end of the day, I was still in radio sales again. So I was. eat eat what you kill. I was like, salary does sound kind of (laughs) sexy. I was like, yeah. would be kind of cool to know that I'm going to get paid (laughs) every Friday.
0: I love that. I love that. (laughs)
1: Um, But more importantly, I was like, this guy represents such a level of, you know, optimizing opportunities, Mm. like such uh, a beautiful manifestation of the American dream. I just felt like it's something I could really learn a lot from. And I did. I was ended up being there for 14 years. And I'm also big believer in like I, I if I was there for 3 weeks I still would have been fine about whatever I learned and whatever I contributed and then there's you know there's lots of other opportunities I could have gone on to do.
0: Yeah, so w- w- would you have would you have put him in a category of like hero at that time for you or was that like just the the on paper it was just so good. Yeah,
1: no, here was a strong word. I probably I take that like it's a serious word. Like it's like yeah. probably just my parents I would even describe like that, right? Okay. Um so but I definitely had a huge admiration for sure. his business prowess, and I knew he knew a lot of things that I didn't know. Really, yeah. that simply, I was like, I yeah. could probably learn a lot over here. Yeah. Um, and I am. I'm a. I'm a curious person. I'm absolutely a geek. I love learning as much as possible. And I was like, this is a modern day apprenticeship opportunity. So I want to go in and you, yeah. you know make a go.
0: And, uh, commending you for this too. I there there was, uh, I think I think people have a natural aversion to anything that would be perceived to be a step backwards. Yes. And it's like, there's several points in just the time that we've been talking where like, you were just like, oh, fuck that. Like if, if it makes sense, it makes sense. And if I want to do it, I want to do it. Like where most people would be like, you went from selling defense contracts to like hawking radio sales. Right. Like, why would you do that? Like right. you went from you know making this money to being an assistant why would you do that Same. you know it's just like yeah,
1: still uh, making money because <laughs> no, no, <no>. <laughs> uh,
0: everybody's prioritizing the wrong shit is the thing totally. is, you know they're, they're totally. prioritizing what the culture says they should do or what their parents said they should do or what their professor told them that was the right thing to do or whatever rather than just like treating life like the playground that it is oh my and god just yes kind of also not being a penny wise
1: do. like i was fortunate that i was always advancing financially i was always negotiating the cash. Yeah, yeah. But my but to your point I was more around what are the experiences going to be like and yes. what can I learn? And moreover at this point I'm 30. I knew I wasn't going to be doing radio sales. I was like, let me get into you a position. You were 30 at the time. I ju- I, when I started I had turned uh within my first week I had turned 30 week before that, right? Okay. So I was like, look, I want to figure out what I really want to do long term. Mm-hmm. Not a series of jobs, but like what am I going to do that can get an imprint on the world? So I was I would have actually been willing to do something where I could apprentice to open up my eyes to so many things at that yeah. time when i went to work for for puff i got to be involved with five television shows in production at once managing 22 licensees at shawn john launching a fragrance from mm-hmm. scratch one of the biggest companies in the world building a spirits brand like relaunch so i got to see so many different um you know sit at a purview right to be able to see so many different businesses and i would have never got that type of learning at a major mm-hmm. organization
0: well and to be able to get the literal behind-the-scenes glance. It's how somebody like that operates on a day-to-day basis. You're obviously like, as an executive assistant, I can only assume you're managing his schedule, his personal communications, and talking to him constantly Constantly. every day. Like You're like the extension of him, like his actual arm, you know what I mean? Uh, And and as an executive assistant, that's your job. And the best ones, like, people don't understand, executive assistants get paid six figures. Oh, yeah. Like, multiple six figures.
1: Absolutely, yeah. To to,
0: to do what they do. Especially in New York, yeah. Yeah, like, it's a it's a gig and a half. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I mean,
1: you're you're really you know, if you're really doing it right for something like that, you're you're committed. Yeah. Like yeah. I told my I was like, I'm my friends and family, I was like, like pretend I'm
0: like it's I like went to war. Like I'm going for six brain, months. So, like you know yeah. I mean? like, like you are
1: all in. Yeah. 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 And you yeah. you
0: become an extension, extension of that person, totally. for sure. Yeah. Um, how, how long were you in the executive assistant role before you start kind of like seeing some-
1: Yeah, not long. So I was executive assistant and then within three months, he promoted me to senior executive assistant. That's a promotion. And then I would say another three months, I'd been there for a full six months and I felt that I was doing what was described in the original chief of staff role. So I went to him and proactively gotcha. said, look, I feel like I'm taking on things that I'm I'm reading it. I feel like I'm doing these things or anything you see as a gap. If not, you know, let's keep moving forward. Uh, and I'm about, I'll stop there for a second because I'm a big believer in like, have a quarterly business review with yourself in the mirror. Like people's mm-hmm. like, a lot of times just let, you know, life happen to them. You go to work, you have to actually be really intentional about how you're holding yourself accountable. Are you moving forward in the way you want to be moving mm. in whatever direction that is and whatever is important to you? And that could be a strawberry farm. That could be your personal fitness. But for me, I was like, I'm not going to just accidentally be here for 20 years.
0: So, so let's talk about this for a second. Yeah. Um, zoom in from a practical perspective. If somebody's listening to this and they're like, I've been thinking about trying to negotiate an, a raise at my job or, and I just don't know how to ask or I'm timid about it. And I'm not that great at that how do you come across that what do you say how do you ask them what is so the, what's the appropriate way to ask in in you know assuming that this person is actually good at what they do yeah, and they're absolutely. adding value to the company yeah. you know what what's what's the best way to approach that I mean
1: I think it's it's, the, it's feedback based go to payscale.com go to shrm S-H-R-M, right go to glassdoor look at what you should be being paid for what you're doing look at where you're impacting the bottom line to either make money or save money or save resources right or contribute resources in a meaningful way hmm. If you if you're not a person that's comfortable having that conversation, slowly take the time to write it down. Ask your homie who is good with it, mm. as been articulated in writing. But also, I think you got to always be prepared. I'm a person like be prepared to leave. Yeah. It's cool. Like any relationship yeah. that's not serving you at this time, there actually are. Like it may not feel like it, but there are gazillions of jobs. Again, you, the, talking about you abundance, gazillion yeah. of things you can do to sell right now. You could. The internet has democratized. Anything. You could sell beautiful golden straws at home and kiss your baby at two inch. You know what I mean? Like right. there's all, it's a different way. So I think being comfortable and always keeping yourself um, like, I hate to say it, but like market ready in any way. Sure. You know what I mean? Like in any, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I believe in the sanctity of like marriage, for example, but yeah, nonetheless, yeah. you still, even, even within a committed relationship, you want to be your best self. For sure. Right, objectively. Yeah. And then how dope is it that together you're better and that's at work and that's at home. And I think if Nailed you come it. with that yeah. mentality, like you don't, you know, My thing is like anywhere I am, I try to be like, if I leave right now, I feel really good about it. When I contributed, hmm. so like you don't owe that job anything. As long as the job has paid you out, they shouldn't owe anything. But don't feel beholden, but also stand for what you're worth. Yeah, because you're yeah. only going to work to make money. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, you right. Know what I'm saying like that's right. the primary reason, right? I mean, hopefully sure. people love their jobs, and primarily you're there to make money. So yeah, you gotta be proactive about going to ask. Particularly, you know, everybody knows you make more money when you job when you when you go from place to place.
0: So, if you're yeah. at
1: the same place, they have to value that because actually, retention is really expensive. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, not like you leaving and them having to re recruit. Yeah. yeah, recruitment's really expensive. Yeah. So, you leaving is just going to cost them more money. And don't hesitate right. to bring that up. I want to stay. I have no desire to leave. This is what I'm looking for. It will cost you X amount to replace me. And let's just. You know, stay together. Right, right, <laughs> right. stay together. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: It, you just gotta you gotta be willing to have the uncomfortable oh, conversations. Absolutely. You know, everything. Uh, somebody said that one time, and I like always held on to it. I wish I'd give him credit, but everything you want in life is on the other side of an uncomfortable conversation. Absolutely. Um, and most people just aren't willing to have the uncomfortable conversation. Gotta do it. Um, and like, but like you said, you also have to be comfortable with leaving. And I think that's probably the thing that holds people back more is the fear that there that that petition will be rejected and that it might shine a light on the fact that maybe we don't even need this person to begin with and then you lose your job. Good, or but whatever. They, you
1: don't want to be to of value anyway.
0: Exactly. Fine, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you got to think you got to think about the career in terms of years rather than like what's going to happen in the
1: next. Ah, uh, exactly. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. But uh, you got to stay ready is the piece.
0: Yeah, and don't underestimate the power of a small raise either. You know, like people uh, people think about that too, or they're like, well, but it's only you know. 12% or whatever 8% and it's like
1: 12% is yeah, a lot year over you, year it's exactly. way more
0: average is 2 to 5% you yeah. like compound that over a long period of time it's like you can't afford to not do this you know yeah well, especially now with crazy by the
1: way your rate. time is so valuable right right it's the it's the most thing it's, it's actually your priceless. Most so more research, yeah. yeah so you 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 actually have to protect yourself you're you're it's this idea of you don't want to have one uncomfortable conversation, but all you do is signing yourself up for 10 years of uncomfortable living. Cause you're probably being mm. underpaid. You know what I mean? It's a, cho- it's a, it's a choice.
0: Yeah. Choose, choose the hard thing. That yeah. You, want. you know, one, both, both paths are going to be hard. Just yeah. <laughs> of them. one of them is more like ripping the band aid. Yeah. You know I mean?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, okay, cool. So, so back in the story here, um, you get promoted to senior executive assistant Yeah, and then promote the chief of that,
1: staff. Yeah. And then, Keep um, staff. and then we, uh, we had a, comedy tour called bad boys of comedy we work with an organization called diageo who's the biggest um, beverage alcohol supplier in the world
0: so so your company would produce the bad boys of comedy tour
1: uh, we work with hbo okay. and then we produce the tour and help find the comedians and oh, so no forth way. right I yeah so okay. um awesome. a brand called crown royal was a sponsor of it and we started having conversations about maybe getting into spirits now um puff was well known at this time for throwing like elaborate parties so mm-hmm. he was known as like master of hospitality and um he had gotten a lot of spirits offers before, but he had been reticent to do it. He wanted to make sure he felt a certain responsibility to the community, so forth. Um, anyway, when we decided to have the conversations, um, I was his chief of staff, and I said, "As we, I said, listen, I would like to be part of the team. I don't know if you remember, I'm trained in negotiation. <laughs> 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 um, so um, I want to be part of the negotiation team with Diageo for us to move forward with this brand called Ciroc Vodka." So he said, yeah, sure, it's fine. So tapped me in. It was, it was a very small group of us. Um, we negotiated. We got an incredible never heard before deal um, in the space. Um, and once we were about to launch, I went back and said, I would like to be lead on uh, rebuilding the previous ad agency he had called Blue Flame and being the point person for this team. I want to turn this business around. I want to be the point person to manage Rock Vodka. He said, you, could do, you need to replace yourself as chief of staff and you can do it. Hmm. So I went. I designed. And the major props the to him too for hundred like being
0: on board. hundred percent of the way, like giving you the a, freedom a to yes. continue to grow. Yes. Yeah,
1: I mean, he was always the one thing I loved about that environment. Is and I would t- used to tell anybody when I was hired. I'm like, if you're like I got a dope plan to sell buttons and you can articulate the economics, the cultural impact, what are we going to do good for populations like we're bring it to? He's gonna be like, okay, let's go, let's get it done. Mm. Now I went and got the, I went and actually got the funding to run the team and do everything else and was self-sufficient. He was like, go do it. Funnily, I ended up, we kept going, we, we couldn't get another chief of staff to last. So like a year later, I was doing both. So it was legit like, legit <laughs> like all oh, we're promoters and what's going on with supply where's yeah. the glass oh blah <laughs> oh it's a twin's birthday party to just lay so it was like a little and i was like yo we have a chance and i was i was actually wrong at the time because it uh it's his public it was just recently in the news that you know he ended up making you know close to a billion dollars nine hundred and eight during that time um but i was like this is clearly at least a hundred million dollar opportunity i can see we're already up a thousand percent in like a hundred zip codes. so with all respect wow. to how important your personal life is we i cannot Effectively continue to book jets and manage children and manage right. all your homes, right. as well as build this business. And I think we, could, I'm going to have to go, even if you don't have a chief staff. I need, we need to make a decision. Also, and this goes back to what we were talking about. I was like, I for myself, I'm not doing anything half ass. And right now, I cannot feel like I'm proud of myself because I feel like I'm doing. We're doing good. It's working. And he's like, "What are you talking about? It's great." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "No, for no, him. no, yeah. it's not." Um, and I actually, I actually to the point we just said actually quit Okay. and i'm not a fake quitter like i really like i take it very seriously i sent a lovely letter i'm organizing all the information i'm going to help recruit i want to honor the time i was there but i was like yeah. i'm not going to stay and do it and,
0: and how, how long had, had you been there at that time at that time
1: i had been there four years okay got it. four years and i was like i'm gonna take the next 30 days to slowly get everything going i'm always going to be here Blah 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 and then i want to say like three weeks in uh the current CFO walked in and said, they said Puff said, give you whatever you want. So I was like, all right, <laughs> I was like, smart man. <laughs> smart man. Um, and then from there we built a case, we we ended up building like real a legitimate um, you know, case history and spirits where we grew that brand to be multi-billion dollar retail value brand sold all sold all around the world. And um, and so many other brands that followed it um uh, were because of the success of Siroc Vaca.
0: Before we kind of move into your success in the spirit space i just want to point something out before we move on if you if you didn't do all of the work of stacking those skills for that entire time that you i mean because now we're talking about from age 21 to age 34 ish if my math is right like that you were just constantly working learning working learning working learning getting feedback from people getting mentored like exponential learning and and increase of your skill if you did not do that then you wouldn't have like gotten them to give you whatever you wanted. Like I the, the I just don't want to I don't want to have somebody listen to this going like, I do need to just go ask for what I want. Right, no. And it's like, well, <laughs> but like sometimes you don't deserve it though. Like sometimes you like by the way there's intrinsic paid...
1: value in certain things. Yes. Right. Exactly. I'm not gonna pay a hundred dollars for a tangerine. Say. Like end that's of the day, like yep. there's a, so, so there's two important things. One is like you have to create objective, not, like actual value, right, yeah. for your provide. That's commensurate with what you're asking for. One. And, and that's a piece that people really you're right. You sometimes miss it, and just like I, I never come from a, I deserve it. Yeah, they're like, well, I, deserve I come from like the data. Yeah. Any independent person put me in a just put just put the stats up. Yeah, like put me on a field. You don't even need to know who I am, and your stats have to make sense objectively mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. what you're trying, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So I think that's the that's the point of differentiation. Yes,
0: you get paid for the value you bring to the organization. yeah.
1: yeah. The point yeah. is to
0: try to make your time more valuable than other people's time. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then when and then when you're they're faced with the idea of like, oh, we're either going to lose her or we got to give her whatever she wants. We got to just give her whatever she wants because she's that valuable. And like people that are good leaders know that valuable people will never stay in a situation that's going to compress their opportunity. It's just like you you have to give good people the opportunity. Thousand percent. To build because you
1: to good people already have opportunities. Correct. So that's the thing you gotta always realize. Like, anybody around me, like, I've had people work with me for 20 years at this point. Cause I'm like, you, if I see somebody great, I want you to have a wonderful life. I want to yeah. support everything you have, your whole right. person, right? Because I recognize that if you're great at whatever you're doing, I'm not the only person who's gonna notice that. Yes. So I'm grateful if you're choosing to be with me. And we have to have a requited and healthy respect and relationship.
0: Yeah. It's like one of the best compliments I get is when people compliment my team. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, oh man, this person just t- t- took care of me. It was so good. Like it was yeah. such a pleasure to work with them. Pr- you know, the just best. Like, I always screenshot it, send it to them, just like say thanks. You know what I mean? With a l- little bonus or whatever. It's just like, man, do you keep crushing it. You know, totally. Like, that's that's what you want. It's just like you you got it. good people are hard to come by, and uh it, and that's what that's kind of my whole broader point to bring this little sidetrack up is just to say that like if you're gonna go in you know guns blazing like that, better have the receipts totally. You know to to be able to to force the hand. Totally, um enforce it in a happy way, right? Like, yeah, it, and that's the, not, the thing. I'm
1: not a big like. I don't have to. You're I are not really, threatening. I'm not. It's no yeah, threat. It's no right. threat. It's all good, and it's and it, yeah. it's all good because, like, th- this is the this is the beauty of like when you are clear on what each of your values are, and each of us have our own unique values, right, to yes. bring to the table. It's not something, um, special about it, that that you and I are talking about. But if for some reason it hadn't worked out, I feel very good that. He, he's, he was before I knew I me mean, he would have went on to be successful and I feel very really good that I would have went on to be successful mm-hmm. Now sometimes mm-hmm. you have a great um group together right like yeah. the magic Synergy. of a certain team yep. Yep. right and that's like you you do want to break that team up or that or that musical act up like oh they're not quite the same right so that that's sure. something you have to recognize and respect but um you know we you, it's the kind of thing of where like you make these choices and then you make that choice the right choice it's mm. like when you go out, nobody's gonna be like, I can't believe you didn't wear the yellow dress in your closet. They don't know what I was gonna wear. With my yeah, dress right. right. So you make the choice and like you 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 just now you have to just keep going forward in that choice and do what it takes to make it right.
0: Right. Okay, so Siroc, massive success. Yes. Talk to me about the uh, building stages behind that. Oh was was there a lot behind the scenes that, that you guys did to to? To make it this oh, brilliant case study, huge. I
1: mean, we, it was like one of the things when none of us had worked in the spirits industry, yeah. so we brought all of the like hustle and intensity of the music industry, yeah. um, fashion, right, mm-hmm. and and then laser focused in how we built this brand. We also what, what, in, what year was this? This was two thousand seven.
0: Okay, so this was kind of like. There weren't a ton of celebrity spirits brands back then. Were
1: no, there? no. They were literally yeah. like, there had been like Billy D. Williams in like the eighties. There was no, this yeah. was not a thing. Yeah. In fact, the deal was kind of laughed at by the industry at the time. By that went, spirits like, the spirits industry. By the spirits industry. It was like, oh, that too much money. To I didn't realize. Yeah. Right. So, so what we understood, and, and I used to always say, his celebrity was actually the least of what he brought to the table. Right. Mm, we had a real paradigm that understood how to, uh, elegantly have culture meet commerce in a respectful way, right? And be respectful to things like, okay, we're in music. So we know that every week there's 300 DJs that get on a call. How are we going to make sure that they understand the power of this brand, that they benefit from success and that we respect them. And we're not mm-hmm. just treating it like a, a one-time promotion, you know, once a year. Right. And, and at that time um, it was a French vodka, right? It was for everyone, mm-hmm. but minority communities were really only getting, that type of branding and support, like, for oh, it's Chinese New Year, or it's Black History Month, Mm. (laughs) not sustained, glamorous, meaningful investment at a steady drum that was culturally relevant. The thing about, Mm, at that time, our team, and you kind of can't fake this, at that time, our team really knew, like, oh, have y'all heard about this new act named Lady Gaga? Like, we knew how to be at the right moments at the right time to insert this brand at this juxtaposition of of cultural creation moments. Um, and we made it a system. It was like a whole social diffusion model of like what's happening this week so that this break a move at the speed of culture. One year ciroc was in 50 songs because we had a studio program like these are things nobody would even know about but having relationships with every studio booker around the country right deep relationships with them respecting what they do finding out who's coming in the studio bringing in delicious food drinks mixing it up for them like that kind of thing got us in 50 songs like that 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 it was organic but it took a lot of work behind the scenes to set up and make these organic moments go
0: and the product had to be good
1: and the product Bar none has to be good. Or yeah. we wouldn't do it.
0: Yeah, because because I mean, you can, you can put that stuff in front of people all day long. But if it sucks,
1: I mean, for well, one, <laughs> we wouldn't do it. Kidding. But two, it's like because I was too smart. I think it's disrespectful. Yes, like you can, exactly. you can, you can create the joke. Used to be like I could make anybody's birthday a national holiday. But like if you come the first time. And it's whack, and I don't know, and the temperature is off, and yeah, yeah. the liquid's at the right temperature, and the music mix is confusing. Right. Like, you're not coming back the next year. We're right. we're inviting people to be in a long-term relationship where we respect where they bring to the table, and we really come full force.
0: Yeah. H- how do you go through the initial stages of product testing with something like alcohol?
1: Yeah. So, obviously, we were super—we were always— concerned and really vigilant about responsibility, right? And really making sure we were encouraging compliance and so forth. What was interesting about Ciroc, and this is one of the fun parts of it, was as we started to explore flavors and this could be debated one way or the other, we spent a lot of time, I would spend a lot of time, part of my job would be going around like to, living in New York, I might go to the, the six blocks that had like a high density Polish population and get unusual flavors to bring in so that we could be tasting Mm. all kinds of flavor profiles to think through what are the next flavors that we want to come out with. Um, And I got to learn a lot about innovation and R&D and a lot of Puff's personalities, he thrives in a lab setting, right? So whether Mm. it was fragrance labs and we have 300 different components of what makes a fragrance or whether it was music labs or whether it was innovation labs to make Ciroc peach, which came out and, and, you know, move more cases than anybody could ever expect it. Um, that process was really was really interesting and intriguing
0: yeah so you come out with the product how quickly did you realize that you had something that was unique and was going to make a splash that you
1: were really we knew not within, expecting? within 90 days i mean because really? we launched and um it, so again because we were so hard working and so just everything's possible um even even when we closed the deal most of the time you close the deal it takes a long time we close a deal and i October. And at that time, October, November, December, 70% of liquor sales per year were happening. So we were like, well, we want to launch now. And Diaz huge. multinational. they were like, well, it takes a long this time, you gotta do a plan, this, this is a supplier, supplier. but supplier. yeah, yeah. Okay. and they're like, oh, you usually we do 14 weeks of planning, we're like, no, no, we wanna launch it now, so we're like, we go, we shoot a video, I, we, Kanye West's a song, Flashing Lights had just come out, and it was like, in the beginning, like this is gonna be hot, I'm gonna negotiate with them and make that song for the commercial, and they were astounded, we were like, in three weeks, full campaign, every market we wanted to go to, point of sale, merch, New commercial, fly hit song, radio plant order with the four. And they and they were just like, Yo, you guys move like ninjas. Yeah. And we were like, We were three we, weeks. We don't wild. have other brands, like you know, say we were, su- he was successful, but I'm not going to get rotated to the Johnny Walker team. Like we, we build right, stuff like right. our like you know, what I'm like this yeah, is yeah. we're going, we're, we're going to make a startup this work. Culture in a it giant was a startup company. culture yeah, yeah. in a medium size. we had like 200 people, and on okay. this business, yeah. it was like 30 people yeah. at most. Um, at that point, it was like six people in the first year. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, moving it forward, but we moved you were with the an urgency, and I was right. Um, so I think that. We knew out the gate. We were hearing from the markets that they were people. Even to this day, you can ask the shippers. Like we've never seen anything like that. Like how fast hmm. it was coming off shelves in the beginning.
0: Um. So, wh- wh- where do you go from there when you have an explosive launch? How do you continue to grow from there when you're already overcoming every projection that you made?
1: Yeah, it's the trickiest thing in the world, right? Because you, one, you can set up, you can set up a situation where you teach your consumer to be driven by excitement. Yeah. And it's hard to maintain a steady drum of excitement, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we continue to grow and scale the activity just at a larger level. But we really never backed away from the frequency of touch points. So at some point, we were a small group, like some 30 people. We are doing like 2,000 events a year. So for 30 people, that's a lot, right? You know what I mean? Like, so... and some of it was natural because we had record. We had our own music artist and our label. Yeah, sure. Puff himself did so many things, right? But it's a lot of activity. Um, and in order to grow it, we we expanded the portfolio. But we also um, tried to continually expand the audience, right, from okay. an invitation standpoint. And then we also expanded geographically, right? So in the beginning, we were focused on certain markets. And then we went to full kind of U.S.
0: Was that the go-to-market strategy? Was events, events, events?
1: It was a lot of content. Um, we were early, like with... Um, Things that are gone now, but we're very early with Foursquare. We were very hmm. early with Twitter. We used to okay. be able to organically the things we would get done in Twitter. We would see like Tide spending a million dollars, but we would very much understand. Okay, I know these hundred people are 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 important and well believed, and they like the product and they're willing to go out. Oh, remember, this is very different. Under so now, attention. every influencer yeah. marketing wasn't a thing at this time well, yeah. we were calling our yeah. own people that were influencers right. you were and being it. like do you like it we want to we, but also make sure they were taken care of like I see you have a movie coming out how can we support your release but also can you do this I see you have a song coming out you have a fashion line and we really try to take care of behind the scenes in New York <clears throat> during fashion week the houses are like nuts like they're they don't sleep they're up for, for days so we would do things like bring like just show up with like delicious food and say thanks for what you're doing for fashion week like those kind mm-hmm. of behind the scenes things are the things that you know People remember from your hearts. We used to do things like most spirits brands go into a nightclub in the beginning of the night, right? Because you want to teach people to, to don't forget to tell people to buy Ciroc. We would do something it was like a breakfast club program. We would come in at the end of the night with delicious breakfast they could take with them home, or they could eat it right there to say thank you, thank you, cocktail waitress for helping us tonight. And that I think that behind the scenes feeling, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. we got a lot of goodwill for it's that. It's more
0: like uh it's more like rewarding uh, already done good behavior rather than a f- like. Trying Always to get like somebody to do to, something yeah, for everything you. Tra-
1: yeah, we try, we try to be transactional.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's
1: why I think it lasted.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Okay, cool. So, uh, so Siroc, you run this company for a decade?
1: Yeah, pretty much. So I I started off. I, I had the conversation with him. I ran, I built the agency. I ran the agency. I got promoted to then. Then we bought it to Tequila. So I ran both of those brands for a little while, and then I d- d-
0: d- tell me how the marketing yeah. agency f- intertwines with all of this. What what was it, like? How how does that fit in with Ciroc and Tequila and all?
1: Yeah. So we we had a deal where we were our side led. Really, the branding and the marketing, right? So this agency that I built was called Blue Flame, and it had he had had a previous agency called Blue Flame, but it had gone to really no one, and then we re resurrected it. Um, Was the key group that worked with our partner Diageo on how we're going to brand it, what commercials, where, what are we going to shoot, how are we going to show up in so stores? Se- were they separate
0: companies like Siroc, Blue Flame? Yeah,
1: separate- so Blue Flame was underneath um, Combs Enterprises. Mm-hmm. And then it was like a strategic alliance with Diageo, who was the biggest supplier in the world, who they would like so they were negotiate glass. Yeah, we, okay. were, we, were, we were basically partners. Got yes. it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I um, eventually became the first. Besides, besides Puff, the first president of Combs Enterprises largely. So that included, I was part of the team that built the television network and included anything on the fashion lines. That included publishing on the music side and, and everything entirely.
0: How do you, like your first day in on that type of a position compared to what you had been doing previously, what do, you, what do you do?
1: Well, you know, similar to one, the exact same feeling I had from when I started Blue Flame. I started blue flame because we all do this. You work in an organization, you work in your your, you know, whatever. You're in you're in the warehouse and you're like, "Those oh, that team over an accountant, they could be doing this. So I was like, I I tried to think about all the things that I felt like I I thought I could improve on. And Some say, bottlenecks how
0: do we, that you experienced. How do
1: we build this team to be the future, like the future yeah. of what we can be? Right. To to model the example of how we can be our best, the right systems, the right rewards, um, that make sure people really feel motivated, really participate, right? And that's the same blueprint I I took when we said we're going to start building Kongs Enterprises. One of the most interesting things was because I started as an executive assistant, um, when it was announced, I don't know why that didn't occur to me, but Puff made the announcement to the company. And then, I, you know, we were all, yeah, and I went to my office and it was like a line of the current assistants into my office, like crying, like like, you know what I mean? Like just saying like what if like that you, you know, we really do promote from within. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Puff was an intern and I was, like everybody yeah. was a little bit of the of the spirit of the organization. Yeah. And that, like I could still get It's like more than anything else that day. I'll I'll never forget like how That's much awesome. it meant to them. Um, really I, in many ways, more than it meant to me.
0: Yeah. To show the path is real. Yeah. Is real. It's real, it's yeah. real right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like this happened for somebody, it could happen for me too. Yeah, it was yeah. really, it was really nice. That's awesome um okay so so you're running an organization like this now uh, how, how many people are in that organization now um at that, like, point at was that like time
1: maybe like 250 okay Yeah, so, two hundred and fifty.
0: but like a dozen divisions right, right? like right. super lean mean teams super but lean, you got yeah, most in people either a television in
1: network or working on Ciroc and okay. then you had small teams on like public. so Ciroc became so like forth.
0: the flagship of the Thousand entire percent. enterprise yes okay gotcha um how how did the tequila go with when you guys got into that business?
1: So tequila was fine. It was probably a little bit ahead of its time. Um, now in the last couple of years, it's doing well. My understanding is I think it does over a hundred thousand cases, which is pretty big. Oh, yeah. Um, in this industry, but it was slow to get there. You know, funnily one of the things. It's Ciroc.
0: Tequila? No,
1: it's called De Leon.
0: Oh okay. Oh okay. It's gotcha. called De Leon. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that one. Yeah. Um, okay, so that leads us now to the venture you're working on now.
1: Yeah. So Lobos, yes. talk
0: to me about Lobos. Yes, what What was yes. the transition? What finally made you leave the Diddy Empire yeah. to go do something different?
1: I think, um, like as I said in the beginning, I love learning. And I started, I came there as an executive assistant. I did, I don't know, seven roles in <laughs> between there across a million genres. Um and I got to a point where I was like, I think I learned. I, feel, you know, I was like, I feel like I graduated. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was like, I don't also, the music industry is notorious for people. Not that I was so, just in the music industry, but I saw the example of people couldn't, the succession planning was like somebody dies. So there was no like mm. encouraging of like, okay, let's make a pipeline for the next generation. I was like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I've, I got it. I'm going to go and let's make room to bring the next generation in and I could go do something even more entrepreneurial. La-di-da. Um, so, Lobos came about um, a gentleman, a legend, actually, named Paul Wachter had reached out to me um, about this incredible liquid. Our founder's name is Diego Osorio. He's out of Spain. Um, and and LeBron James separately at one point was like, I, think I love tequila. That's my drink of choice. I'm thinking about getting into it. Paul basically connected them. Um, and LeBron fell in love with the tequila, with the liquid, which ours are all finished in sherry cask. And we so many awards, like incredible. Um, and, but nicely, our founder, Diego, who had done like 326 iterations of this liquid, but he was making it for like, he was like, I just want the best for my family and friends. He's like old school craftsman. I Mm. have so much respect for people who just care deeply about their outputs. And he's like that kind of guy. Um, but he built it. Like, I'm going to be in Spain. I'm going to have like, you know, some of the restaurants I know around here. It's going to be fun. It's going to be local passion.
0: Total passion. Total total
1: cool thing. Total passion project. LeBron's like so he says LeBron like this is great and actually the reason why LeBron even gets involved is he was like I did it for two years I spent all my own money so I was like "Eh, I should get a couple of investors Mm. Um, and he happened to like kind of you know travel in these circles LeBron's like this is incredible I'm all in I'm writing a check right now Mm. and you know this is gonna be great it's gonna be great for us so LeBron's like no we're gonna take over the world (laughs) (laughs) Paul was like we're gonna need a CEO. <laughs> it
0: doesn't seem like he does much halfway. Doesn't.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not his style. Yeah. So, um, so they called and I met. I got a chance to to meet Diego and some of the team. I fell in love with the liquid. So who?
0: who so Paul is the one who. Paul's the one who you? called
1: me. Yeah, okay. Paul, and then uh, introduced me to the founder. Okay. Um, Diego Osorio and.
0: tried the tequila. Try
1: the tequila because to the point you said earlier, my thing was like, look, after Ciroc, I'm very grateful, but I get like fifty pitches a week on sort of stuff, sure. right? I was like, I don't have any you know interest in doing anything that's not incredible. Yeah. So I was he was telling me I was like, I have so much respect for LeBron and he, this, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger, we have a crazy cap table. Uh Paris Hilton, Drake, everybody has invested in this brand. No shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. But I was oh. like I don't care unless the liquid, <laughs> yeah, right,
0: <laughs> It's good. I still can't sell shit products. I still yeah, can't
1: sell yeah. right. So, um, so he pulled it out. It's funny we were in New York at Fifty Seventh Street in the uh, in the cocktail area four scenes. Like almost got kicked out because he's like pulls it out in the glass. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I try it and I'm like, money, sign mm-hmm. me up. Like I anything at this level of quality and his just commitment and Was integrity. it a particular
0: bottle or a, a type of yeah, tequila?
1: Yeah. So um, that you tried. um we, we have, a, at the time, I had tried the Hoven, um, which was incredible. And then we had ended up adding a Reposado, which we beat like hundreds of other in San Francisco, which is like the Oscars of uh, the spirits industry. And we also have it on Yeho, an extra on Yeho, and a Mezcal right now. Okay. Um As a full lineup.
0: <sighs> Real quick before we move on. Yeah. What is the difference between tequila and Mezcal?
1: That's a great question. Um. So the, the biggest difference really is the mezcal is like, we always say it's kind of like the wild rock and roll side. Like it's really authentic. It's the volcanic pits and the way that it's made, typically made around Oaxaca in Mexico. And it's like the re, you, when you see the pictures of like donkeys going through that dark, rich soil, Um. that because of that volcanic pit where it comes from, you get this smokiness yeah, on the like, liquid, right? Yeah. Some of them I feel like... Um, I think do a disservice to the category. You get the wrong, if you try the wrong mezcal first. Yeah, you may think to yourself like, oh, it's like looking at barbecue grill. I'll pass. Mm. But if you tried the right one, and I would, I love ours. I love Lobos because of the sherry finish makes it a little easier on the palate and mm. more mixable. Yeah. But I would shout out to Illegal. Shout, there's brand. There's great. There are great brands. So you have to pick the right one. Got it's it. a little smokier. It's a great transition if you are like a single malt drinker, but you want something a little more clean. Yeah. Uh, a little lighter, a little lower in calories. Then a mezcal is a nice option.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's, <clears throat> I, I didn't even know that, that there was like, I, I didn't even know that they were like from the same family until what, Absolutely. A year ago. Absolutely. There's so <laughs> many
1: agave. Like, I think there's people don't know about um this Bacanoras I see There's just so many different agave yeah. spirits and that I think we're going to see roll out over the next few years.
0: I've not tried. Can, do you drink the Mezcal just like? straight or on the rocks or you
1: can't you can't it's great like in a paloma okay. you could do like a mezcal old-fashioned is okay. really good if you like an old-fashioned cocktail
0: yeah, yeah. um I'm, I'm a big whiskey drinker most of the time oh yeah yeah um, so if you
1: are you could probably do on a rock with a lime
0: yeah but I, I i frankly i drink tequila now more just because it's healthier yeah not know that i mean alcohol is alcohol. It's you know, not super healthy either way, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, I I do, I do like drink tequila more now than probably anything else just because of that one thing, but I miss the, the flavor profile of, Uh, of the whiskey. So
1: maybe, oh, well you should, so our extra, so our extra on Yeho um we find that like real whiskey enthusiasts respond the most to because it okay. kinda has like a like a beautiful journey when you're drinking the liquid. Okay. Um but I'll I will get you everything and then yeah. you let me know what you think. Sweet. Yeah, Super well, clean, I'll it's kosher, no additives a taste test terrific. For you. There yeah. you go. I love
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> um how how's it been working with um like more celebrity brands for you? Like it seems like it seems like that's a it seems like you do really well pairing with with people who have kind of this passion and this thing, and then you can kind of jump in and just be like, all right, give me the reins and let's go, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, we we would love to not We have all these celebrities behind it, but they are legitimate investors. So it's a little different um, in that for us, we say for Lobos, our star is really the liquid, mm-hmm. right? That's actually the liquid. And we're grateful to be able to get to the audience, um, you know, through LeBron. Sure but the story of Lobos is all around a little Certainly helps the distribution. And all around really Diego. I always joke, like we have a founder that speaks Spanish like like a lot of times. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Diego's family has been in the industry since the 1700s. Like our whole story, everything on that bottle, the reason why it's called Lobos is those two wolves is his family's coat of arms from the 1700s. So with all respect to all the brands that are out, what I love about this story is that we just, Tell the truth all day long, mm. and I think today's consumer responds to like, oh, I love real storytelling. So much easier, to market you know what I mean? Truth. <laughs> so, much, so much easier to market. And remember, at uh, this at this point, <laughs> the truth. Um, and people <laughs> recognize it. They do. They respond differently. Of like, oh, this is like his real family. Like we yeah, run it like yeah. a family business. It's just different. Well,
0: cool. has there has there been like differences for you in terms of like working with different personalities in that world? Like, ver- like working closely with Diddy versus working closely with LeBron. Obviously, big personalities um, who have different expertises and probably bring different assets to the table. Was was it kind of a weird transition after working with someone like Diddy for as long as you did to move in and work with somebody else who also has this big personality?
1: I mean, look, I think the idea of what what they have in common and, and, you know, fortunately, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of luminaries and notables. what they do have in common is like an extraordinary work ethic, hmm. right? So I think that was the perfect training ground to work with anybody. So it's a little bit less like these extraordinary kind of, you know, once in a century type of work ethics. That's what's more interesting to me, whether they were, where they could have been like the most incredible architect yeah, or, you know what I mean? Or diver. But is that like, oh my gosh, that dedication and commitment to work, that is interesting to me. For sure. Generally, having worked with a lot of musicians... And now working with more athletes, because we also have, you know, Draymond and other athletes on Capitol. Mm. What I what I have seen, and don't judge me, musicians, is the, the discipline, I think, that comes with with being an athlete. And especially yeah, sure. your NBA, you play playing a gazillion games, you know to show up. You know, super respect to LeBron. When we do anything for this, he's read everything in advance. He's early. Mm. He has meaningful contributions. He cares about the economics of the business. Right. He's such a gentleman. Like I do. I have a lot of regard for the person he is. Yeah. Um, Very much disaggregated from his celebrity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just his career speaks volumes about his discipline and dedication to the sport. Yeah. It it just is incredible that he's doing the thing. It's just different than a rock and
1: roll, which which you get like super creative, incredible. These like pop moments of the rock and roll thing. But it's that rock and roll lifestyle is very different than the discipline of an athlete.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this has been an incredible conversation. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I've had hundreds of people on the show at this point, and this is one question that I've asked almost all of them. So I'm curious to hear uh, how you're going to answer it. Who you know or what you know? Which of those two do you think is the more important asset in life and why?
1: Hmm. It's a great question. I would say, um, I would say, what you know, because. It, who you know is incredibly important, but I don't know that it sustains you. I think who you know can make great pops and you can pop out and get incredible stuff. And that's, mm-hmm. that's you know, that's how the world works. Yeah. Um. But at some point, what you know is going to kick in in some way, whether yeah. it's legit like survival. So, I mean, I do think for your own self-confidence, like we talked about, I have a 10-year-old, we talked about children, right? And I think when you mm-hmm. look at like almost Montessori type models and like the mm-hmm, idea mm-hmm. that you feel better about yourself when you know you can take care of yourself. And when you know you can take care of yourself, that's because of what you know, not who you know. There's Mm -hmm. plenty of person who knows a lot of amazing people, but they actually don't sleep soundly at night, and they're actually sad and miserable. You know what I mean? But if you know, like, nah, throw me in the forest, I'm gonna be okay. Because of what I know, I just think you actually have a happier life. And to me, who you know might get you more money, I think what you know gets you a more satisfying life.
0: Great answer. Great answer. Can't be mad at it. Dia, <laughs> thank you so much for coming. Thank you show. so this much. such a pleasure talking, Truly talking with enjoyed. you. Hopefully we can do a part two sometime. Yes,
1: All heck right. yeah. Thanks Thank so you.
0: That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapelcom slash team. And my biggest ask of you, since I'm sharing my friends with you, is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet. and leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode.